Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I keep getting job things sent through to me, right? You know how much an undertaker gets paid? £50,400 per year. Geez, it right now. It's hard on the body, though, isn't it? Wrestling and... <laughs> <laughs> This week, Celtic Euro dream is over as an away defeat leaves Zenit on a top and Brendan Rodgers delivers 10 in a row wins against Aberdeen. All this and more on the latest episode of 20 Minute Tims. Hello and welcome to episode 128 of 20 Minute Tims. I am the host kind of thing, Jamie. I'm joined this week by my two pals, Melly. Yes, hello. Stephen. Good to be here because I live here. Yes, you do. This is your house. (laughs) Boys, did you did you get that ever so subtle golden eye joke I dropped in at the oh, intro there? You are so big and clever. Oh, I'm so so clever. If you get that reference, do get in touch. I, there's only probably one other person who who might get that reference. And I don't know if he still listens to our podcast. Melly, did you enjoy Zen it away? No. <laughs> hey, Stephen, did you enjoy it? Absolutely not. No. Well, you know this podcast has been a bit of a. It's got it's had its ups and downs. We do a lot of moaning, then we've had a good game, and then we do moaning, and after Zen it home leg we were really really positive and we were really happy about it and then the away leg came and we all had our predictions and I don't think anyone predicted we would lose did we? Not 3-0 No not 3-0 I said I was a man who's not afraid to be wrong Uh, So, and I am wrong Hmm. this week because we did Melly we lost Yes I'm afraid negative Nancy will be out to start (laughs) with but positive Percy will be back for the second half but it was absolutely brutal another horror show that's all too familiar now it is getting a bit familiar, Stephen, isn't it? It was a bit of a disaster, really. And not not so much in terms of going out, because Melly said something last week that, that I totally agreed with. He said it's not really about going through now because we've had a good performance in Celtic mm-hmm. Park, something they can be they can be encouraged by. And really all we wanted, let's see if we'd gone over there, lost 1-0, gone into extra time and just not had enough. We'd have run a good yeah, game of it. Yeah, we would have been fine with that, but it was just such a meek collapse. And... It's something we talk about all the time, something we talked about before the game, that losing a goal in the first 10 minutes again. I was I was joking about it with people I know and all that. that as long as we can get through the first 10 minutes without conceding, yeah. I'll, I'll be confident. But the first corner of the game... Well, before the game kicked off, I started to get the nerves and I, I jokingly tweeted, don't lose an early goal, don't lose an early goal, don't lose an early goal, <laughs> followed up by... I just somehow feel we're going to get pumped 3-0. But we, we'd lost that early goal again. And I'm starting to think, is... Is losing a early goal in Europe starting to become a bit of a trope for Celtic? Because I had a wee look back, you know, 
Paris at home, Neymar scored within 20 minutes. Bayern away, Muller scored within 17 minutes. Bayern at home, Coleman scored about 20 minutes. Paris away, Neymar scored 9 in 22 minutes. I mean, and that's just from, from this season. It, it seems merely losing these early goals in Europe is just something we just can't avoid. It is, and we'd never seem to react to it either. Once the goal goes in, the heads go down, and you can just tell that's the game plan pretty much done. It just seems as if Stephen's right. See if we had got the performance, we wouldn't have been bothered. Three one against Zenit going out. It's not that bad on the face of it. It's just the meek performance as you described, and you could see it coming. As soon as they scored, the heads went down. Everything went. There was nobody could find them. They were passers. Nobody willing to take responsibility in the ball. It's funny you should say that because having watched the game back, I saw forty five seconds after the first goal went in, Lustig plays his first absolutely dreadful pass yeah. straight out of the park. The, head, the panic was setting in then already. It's, you, it's a familiar story, as I said, but it's like we always say, Brendan Rodgers always talking about progress. It's the exact same mistakes as last season. It's the exact same mistakes that were made in the group stages. Nothing's changed. I mean, but Brendan Rodgers kind of said it himself after the game. He came out and he says, they, they didn't play with enough courage. They didn't play with enough belief they probably could have got result, and for and for me, that's what it comes down to. Because you said I, that recently, yeah. yeah. I, I've been I've been really toiling, especially with this Zenit game. The lineup was the lineup everybody went with. How can one team play so differently over the course of seven days? And it, it honestly is. It's for me. It's it's the courage. It's the belief of what being the being the guy that's willing to maybe make the mistake, playing the forward pass, taking your guy on. You know, but. It, we we completed the stats six hundred odd passes in that game to to Zenit's three hundred. Mm. Didn't he make a blind bit of difference? No, we had what the Rogic chance, which he hit over. But yeah, if that's the best chance in a and I watched the highlights of today, that uh, that's not it's a half chance if anything. I it's, had a header. That's the only one I can remember. It's, it's pathetic stuff. There was no creativity. I wonder if it's because they've taken the beatings in the group stages where. Everybody just scared now in Europe to be the one that makes a mistake. That's the way it looks as if, please don't let it be me. Please don't let it be on me that I make the mistake. And you can't do that. I suppose it's what you get with having such a, a young team. Hmm. They've never been there and done it. They don't, they've got one good result away from home in Europe to fall back on. The rest have been disastrous. I think, I think you're right. I think we need, I don't know if such a thing exists, but like an experienced number 10. You've got that experience of Scott Brown in the midfield. We need someone just up a bit, just to play that killer ball. It doesn't have to be the most mobile. Someone that can take the ball in and, and play a pass. Or, you know, we are, we're seriously lacking. And I think it is, Melly, I think it is maybe down to the, the age of the players, you know. But again, I'm talking myself out of this as I do in this podcast every, every week, Stephen. You've the, uncharmed yourself. I've uncharmed, I've uncharmed in myself. TMT parlance. Because yeah. we can all admit that players are relatively young, right? But how much more experience... Does the likes of James Forrest need? No, I mean, James Forrest is a more than established European footballer. He's been playing it for years. On the creativity, as you've you've just said there, as much as that lineup really worked at Celtic Park, I I think it sort of played in his his hands a wee bit this time around because I think it's a kind of horses for courses thing. You can't necessarily take that to a difficult away game and expect the same result. Mm. I think Zenit would have learned. I said last week that they would have come off that pitch at Celtic Park thinking we've really got away with one there. Yeah. But they would have learned a lot from what Celtic play like. So they've gone over there as heavy underdogs played the same team and I think it kind of played into their hands a wee bit in that there's not a great deal of creativity in that team the midfield four kind of fluctuated between a diamond and various other things it's functional and it got the result at home but I don't know if there was much 
creativity, so Zenit were able to play you, off them yeah. and let them have the ball. Basically what happened was we lost an early goal um, and then we were, I think we were terrified of Zenit's counter-attack and I think that's yeah. what it was. And and Zenit, and that, that was that was the perfect game plan for Zenit. You know, as you said, you touched on it. The first goal, we can talk about individuals here. Uh, I, at first glance, I wasn't sure if this was Jozo's fault. I thought we were sent up to defend zones and Ivanovic just cropped up somewhere where nobody's paid attention. But it's quite clear... They blocked a couple of players blocked Jozo's path and Ivanovic, who by the way, was excellent yes. throughout that game. Absolutely excellent. Branislav Ivanovic, Melly and I are long suffering competitors against each other in the fantasy Premier League uh, games for yeah. years. And when he was still at Chelsea, he was an absolute must pick in the mm-hmm. fantasy football. And um, first name in the team sheet, Ivanovic, because he's a defender who scores goals. Yeah. So if I know that, why does Jozo Simonovic not know that? It was a free header. But even I mean, even before the corner itself. Yeah, we look at De Vries' goalkeeping for that. I mean, he made I the save. He, poor. he made yeah. the save and just pammed it weakly out. And I was trying to be objective about this because everyone looked at it and thought that's that's weak because he, he just pammed it out. And I'm wondering, has he just gotten to that stage where he is now exactly the same level as his first run in the team, where everything he does gets questioned, every single goal that goes in, everyone looks at De Vries and yeah. and what he's done wrong. Basically, was was it unfair to blame him? Maybe but for the um, first goal. Yeah, but, um, I think he could have done better. I think he could have done yeah. better. Also, guy taking the shot's got to be closed down quicker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is, that's the one. The second goal comes from a quick throw, and we don't get into shape for the throw. It's all just simple stuff. It's not as if we're making them work for goals. They're two 0 up by two simple, yeah. completely avoidable that, goals. Again, that was De Vries. He was filled by the ball, but you touched on it, Millie. The second goal. I mean, that, that's De Vries. He needs to save that. But again. So easy. An unchallenged throw in four Celtic players around them, and the, the, before you know it, the ball's in the back of the net again. Knuckleball. Knuckleball, apparently. <laughs> Knucklehead. That's what, that's what Devery says. Um, it's, it's one of those ones where he's just flung himself back to look as if I've tried to save that instead of just simply saving it. It's instead of just getting your body behind it, your arms up, he's flinging his body back to look as if it's going to be a spectacular save. Just do the complete basics. It's it's not even at either side of him. It's straight down at him, basically. It's, it's ended up in the, the, the dead centre of the goal, really. I mean, it's not flown into the top corner. He's had plenty of space, although what has been proven in De Vries' career at Celtic is that having more time to set himself for a shot doesn't doesn't work because it was that goal yeah. against Kilmarnock last season. He scored from about 50 yards. Yeah. That's the same. I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't sure. Like, we gave Brendan Rodgers all the credit for the first leg and I wasn't sure who was to blame for the second leg, whether he has to take the take the blame for that one. But I, honestly, I'm not sure what Mori could have done. I mean, you're going to the game at half time, 2-0 down, your game plan is absolutely in the bin after 10 minutes, never mind being 2-0 down at half-time. At this point, we hadn't registered a shot on goal. Realistically, I'm sorry if this comes across as terribly negative, but yeah. even the first goal went in, I thought that's pretty much it. I know the tie's only level mm-hmm. at that point, and Celtic just need a goal. Even yeah. when they're 2-0 down, all they need is a goal because that's Celtic... Yeah, an advantage. I just didn't see it coming. I think that honey dicked us. Yeah, I think that absolutely honey dicked us. Being 2 0 down, thinking all we need is a goal here, you know, and it just it's sad to see because one thing you don't want to see from Celtic teams is they want about you want to be a bit cavalier. You want to see guys. You want to see that old Martin O'Neill wave after wave after wave of attack. You don't want to see this team that are that are frightened of the Zenit counter attack. That's that's become the problem away from home like even Astana we go out there 5-0 up and we were worried at one point that this yeah. the game could have went because we just ship goal after goal 
And we don't believe as soon as a goal goes in that Celtic are going to go through because you can tell the players don't believe either. Yeah. You can tell by the faces, that's it. We're up against it now and there's nobody willing to stand up. I mean, that's got to be it for that team now. Last season and this season, basically the same players bar Cham and Ayer and they can't, they can't stand up to it in Europe. So they're good enough for domestically, clearly. But in Europe, they're just not up I to mean, it. again, this is another game of what you might call individual errors, where it's quite easy to pin the blame on exactly who's at fault. Third goal, we all know who's at fault for that, Melee. Well, again, it's, every goal can be traced back to the problems that we had at the start of January. We need a goalkeeper, hmm. we need a right-back, and we need a centre-half. And we haven't addressed them all properly. Well, worth noting that there were no January signings involved in no. this until the late sub of Musonda, so no strengthening was... How does that, that feel? Does that irk you? If it infuriates me. Yeah, if you, yeah. I, the other day I listened to a podcast, uh, Joey Barton's podcast, actually, everybody's favourite hunt. Scum, absolutely. <laughs> ah, he did his sub- turn, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Agent but, Joey. Uh, he had Gary Neville on, and Gary Neville's brilliant at these things. And he was talking about the Man United treble team. Uh, when they won it, it was the absolute peak for them. But in this summer, they brought in Mark Bosnich to replace Schmeichel. Hmm. He said the quality was still there but it didn't go up any. Hmm, so yeah. the next season they won the league, but they didn't win the Champions League. And that went on for season after season until we had to rebuild our team. And he said, we just didn't add quality. The players still gave everything, but they just missed that wee edge to push them on again, to go for it again. And he said, it just didn't feel right. Now that's Celtic, isn't it? They've it won a Celtic. treble. Yeah. And instead of going out and maybe buying three players to really go, well, we need to up it or my place is gone. We've brought in Cham who's been in and out and we've brought in squad players who really haven't upped it. And the one guy who's came in is a guy who'd already been there and came in through necessities. Ah, yeah. I think in, in areas all over the pitch there was things that needed addressed. Like the defence weren't aggressive enough. Up front they didn't do enough. Midfield wasn't creative enough. And like you said, it's quite infuriating as a fan you know, you take it back to the January window and you're hearing that the club have got more money in the bank than they've ever had and they're in great financial condition and, and they're not spending it. But I just think, part of me is starting to think this is it for Celtic. You know, the, the Europa League last 32, making it out of the Champions League group, doesn't really matter what you do. Eventually you're going to hit a glass ceiling. Well, that, that's where we've hit, I feel, because right now we've got 30 million in the bank. That's all. That's all great. But see next season... If you don't qualify for the Champions League, that's that thirty million written off. So unless you put some of that thirty million into the team to get yourself into the Champions League, because right now that team doesn't really struggles to qualify for the Champions yeah. League, in my opinion, no matter who we get due to the away form. So if you take that money away, it starts to drip away quickly and quickly. Then you need to sell a player to balance that out. It just it doesn't make for good reading. You need to. It's all good in the bank. It's a lot better on the pitch. It is, it is a lot better on the pitch. And, you know, I think Brendan Rodgers, again, carries some of the can for maybe not identifying that, for example, we need a left-back. Because, you know, Keane Tierney has played more minutes of football than anybody else in Europe. And the only reason that's the case is because Brendan Rodgers thinks that this boy, Calvin Miller, can, pl- can play left-back when he evidently can't. Well, look know. at that situation. We're all, we were all howling at the moon because... Uh, Excuse Tierney. me, we have an intelligent debate on this podcast. We do not howl <laughs> no, at the moon. Not necessarily, but Tierney was dropped against St Johnston and people were, were angry about it, but at the same time saying, oh, this guy's played every every game. More, more football than anyone in the world. But as soon as he gets, as he gets dropped, it's, it's instantly a problem. So the situation hasn't been managed yeah. well at all. Um, you've got... I, I thought Tierney didn't have the greatest game against Zenit. Then you've got Lustig, who... 
for weeks we were saying on this podcast isn't he really up to it probably looks like he's coming not the end of his career but the end of his his time being a top top right back for us looked like he was injured came back but again he's not really done that much more on him coming up in the, <laughs> the following game Aye, more on him coming up in the following game keeper another area that we thought needed strengthened Doris De Vries sells the jersey so it, it, they all seemed like preventable errors against Zenit um, and I think I'm just disappointed I'm disappointed in the manner that we went out I, I would have liked to have seen a bit more bravery and, but that's what Brendan Rodgers said as well you started talking about the third goal and individual errors I mean that it could have been a penalty before the goal went in as well but the ref, ref let it go mm-hmm. on Zemunovic just basically bundled the guy over in the box allowing Ivanovic the best player in the park to yeah. pick his spot in the guy at the, the back post Lustig watched them the entire time and the replays you see him clearly looking look. at him clearly looking at him but does nothing about it until it's far too late and then sort of tries an overhead kick yeah. it's um, it is, it's, it's basics and it's infuriating and yeah it's just the same old story really what would you give to Ivanovic in this team though? <laughs> I mean it, it's no it's no exaggeration to say that Ivanovic was you know, one of the best defenders in Europe at one point yeah. he's peak, he won the Champions League won the Europa League I think he was even man of the match in the Europa League final won a couple of leagues with Chelsea probably part of that that great defence we talk about we kind of joke about experience on this podcast all the time but he was out there just being the absolute uh, epitome of experience guys and, not played for months oh, again, that 34th birthday it was yeah. and a uh, experience in every sense positive and negative because he looked at times as if he was playing against wee guys out yeah. there Tierney got the better of him a couple of times early on but what you could you could see the light bulb going off yeah. in Ivanovic's head uh, I, was, he just, I, was go- I was waiting to bring this up it was all brilliant he, all he did was just right that's that so I'm going to have to adjust to that and then that was yeah, it just made sure yeah. he was never one on one with Tierney again just an underrated diving bastard as well like people don't necessarily <laughs> game management yeah people don't necessarily associate diving with defenders so he gets away with quite a lot but he's, he's so I think the word people tend to use is cute about yeah. it we try mainly in looking at reasons in this podcast we don't just like to come on and moan yeah. so my, my synopsis of the Zenit game is you know we can see their goal within 8 minutes that immediately puts us in the back foot because if we start to attack, we're open to the Zenit counter-attack and basically our players shat it from the Zenit counter-attack. I think that's I think that's what happened. It did look, we can talk about the lineup, but I don't think MD would disagree with that starting lineup. It's just as soon as the goal goes in, that lineup's not really useful anymore yeah, yeah, because yeah. it wasn't until Masonda came on where we had that creativity and we, we got the goal in the first leg. But looking at it, 3-1, it probably is a fair result if you look at the two teams. But Celtic just could have played so much better, done so much more. But then if you take a step back and look at the draw for the Europa League and you look at the teams, not there's no team there I think Celtic could take them. There's yeah. no team I'd be confident. No. So this this is where we are. Top dogs in Scotland. We can get into the Champions League and get horsed. And then if we get a decent draw, maybe, maybe get to the last 16. But last 32 Europa League looks like a ceiling unless we break through it and spunk some cash well I, the truth is but the truth is Stephen Zenit were there for the take and we showed that in the first leg well I, again what we said last week just needed more goals yeah. we definitely needed more goals now that's I mean we'll never know if that would have been enough anyway if Celtic won 2-0 at home who's to say Zenit wouldn't have just got the required amount of goals anyway who knows But it what, just, what score would it have taken for you to be confident that we're 5-0 oh, against 6-0 or something <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, very good just, point Yeah, it's just one goal and everybody's wee bumhole goes down yeah. <laughs> this is all hindsight but, but Celtic didn't threaten at any point so there, there are no there are no, no I think they've got to be not one shot on, on target the whole game or something I know it was zero shots on target at half time or... hmm. I thought Forrest was okay I thought we did have decent players they just 
we're, we're bound to we're bound to have some decent players because we had so much possession. The possession we were allowed to have really because then it weren't bothered by it at all. They, that's just not the way they play. They're perfectly happy to have thirty percent possession. The forest was all right and Cham. It was okay weird as well. when we took Forest off. I thought it was yeah, a bit of a mistake. Yeah. I mean, the, to be honest, he, he had a couple of decent runs, but they had his number eventually as well. They, he had drawn two bookings in the opening 20 minutes, so they were, they'd were obviously targeted him as yeah. a, a bit of a danger man as well. They were putting the boot in. <laughs> <laughs> what did you make of it? Putin, because Russia. And, yeah. I got that, I got that, mate. Cheers. <laughs> uh, what did you make of the referee? Uh, he had a hairline like Robocop with his helmet off. <laughs> he did, yes, he certainly sure did. Murphy. Amazing commitment to the back the back end of that hair. Yeah. I thought he was very very spicy, a spicy Spaniard, mm. very flamboyant at, at times, you know, he, he wasn't taking any he wasn't taking any snash. Yeah, fair play. It always got his fault, was it? <laughs> He's got his fault, what gash, isn't it? <laughs> so um after the Champions League asked you to give me your marks for the European campaign, A to D. Can you remember what you gave it, Melly? See, you did, Stephen. I think you gave it a three or something. <laughs> I think you totally threw the threw the rule book. I think window. I gave it an all right, but yeah, that the transfer window, I can't remember. Can't, anyway, you're a bit of a maverick, <laughs> maverick renegade. Um, I'm going to ask you now that we've played two more European games. Marks, marks from A to D. Fail, complete failure. Happy? I mean, you. No, we got to the Champions League. That's the main objective. We got into Europe after Christmas. That's another objective. But the performances in there were woeful. You get. Astana, brilliant, away leg, shocking. <laughs> you get PSG, Horst, Anderlecht, brilliant, Bayern Munich, good, next game, Horst. It just seems, <laughs> it just seems like there's no, there's no momentum, there's no consistency yes. in there. If we go a goal down, it's backs to the walls, it's panic stations. We just, we need better players. I think that was beautifully summed up by Melly. I think we can all just get on board with that. Um, we returned to domestic duty now positive Percy time <laughs> we returned to domestic duty and I was I'd mentioned in the podcast you know Russia's a long way away I, I said it was over 50 miles away now I googled it and that's true yes um, but it's only three and a half hours on a flight which is like Mallorca kind right. of time so it obviously wasn't that rough a trip back for Celtic um, they played up against Aberdeen who we've beaten now 10 times in a row and serious questions have been asked of Derek McInnes now on um, on the radio and on the television about why he can't beat Celtic because he's not a very good football manager I'm uh, devastated he's not Rangers manager I'm devastated, <laughs> devastated. he's not Rangers I don't, I don't know I, I tried to give generally the benefit of the doubt because I think Aberdeen are one of those rare cases that Celtic fans have placed an awful lot of projecting their own ex- expectations onto them because they want them to be better than yeah. Rangers now Aberdeen are Tend, are the only team in Scotland that everyone expects them as the underdogs to win a game. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When yeah. Celtic lose to Zenit or Anderlecht, it's all about budgets. But when Aberdeen lose to Rangers or Celtic, it's oh, yeah, bottles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a, I that's a, have it both ways, I suppose. Bit hypocritical. Yeah. But having said that, his record is appalling against yeah. both both teams. It, I mean, I would expect a draw or something in there against against Brendan Rodgers' team. Did all right against Dallas team, but. I mean, I, I gave him a lot of credit last season on the pod because... A worthy adversary? Yeah, he was a worthy adversary. He, he, he cemented his place as the second best team. That's no. slipping now, though. Yeah, yeah. That, but I, that's exactly what I was going to come yeah. to. That's slipping now. And you know what? I really only said that because, well, one, it was true. But two, it was to show up how poor Rangers were. Mm. No matter what Rangers threw it at, at that point, they couldn't get past um, Derek McInnes' Aberdeen. But that is, that's slipping. And that is a, it's a pretty poor Aberdeen side full of... I thought. I mean, I thought he'd done pretty well in the summer when I just looked at the, like the Stevie May and all that. But mm. they're not really up to much. And and 
They just look like Melee and another team of cloggers we came up against. No, he seems to be struggles to get a striker that he can suit. Every time we play them, it's, it was Rooney, then it was Stockley, now it's May. He's just switching about, trying different things here and there. He, again, he tried something different to let us have the ball. You don't let Celtic have the ball, that's mental yeah. stuff. It just seems... Announced Stokesy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like... After the Zenit game, everything was going from ahead. This is devastating. We're not good enough. Or oh, is there a title race on? And then I just, once it got to the game on Saturday, seen Celtic's team and thought, Aberdeen don't scare me. Kilmarnock, nah. Hibs, other teams, I'm, oh, this could be a tough game. Aberdeen away doesn't frighten me in the slightest. It's, it's because Derek McInnes, and I've accused him of this on, his, on this podcast before, he believes his own hype, Stephen. He really yeah. thinks he's got a, a terrific team there that, that's close to winning the league came close to winning the league in the past well I mean I've, I've always tried to give him the benefit of the doubt tactically in Celtic games because I've at least acknowledged the fact that he does appear to have game plans yes now, those game plans don't amount to anything because they lose every game <laughs> as, as has been evidence if you listen to us Derek stop having game plans yeah. <laughs> but um, tactically in that game Sunday that, I mean, that was a total washout I mean it worked to an extent because they sat so far off Celtic it made them near impossible to break down Celtic's patience in that build up passing it around the back trying to nudge it in the midfield mm. then back out again then out to the wings that only works because that relies heavily on the opposition team having any kind of attacking ambition whatsoever yeah. if they don't come out and believe they can get the ball off of Celtic's defenders if they don't press then really they're just standing at the halfway line staring at Celtic's Defenders passing the ball about. I mean, it's a total waste of their attacking talent as well because Stephen May, Niall McGinn, and Gary McKay, Stephen, they're all decent they, players. They've done, no, they done nothing. nothing. No. They've done nothing in that game. Coming off a crushing European defeat, a long fight back. The Three and a half hours. <laughs> long enough. <laughs> the fight back, whatever. But the tactic should be get in their faces, don't let them settle on the ball. Celtic's confidence would have been low if you bully their players at the start and try and get the ball they're not going to like that yeah. but to let them have the ball build up confidence every player getting touches of the ball it was a mental way to start the game maybe Pedro Cuxinho was right do you remember at the beginning of the season when he says I've been watching this Aberdeen team and they're at the end of a cycle mm. well I mean sure looks like it how do you think Melly Celtic done on the day though they done okay it wasn't great to start with but it never seemed like they were going to let in a goal Aberdeen had the well, the one cross maybe, and every cross now gives me the fear when big <laughs> Doris is in. But I thought just, Doris was fine. I thought Doris was decent. That's just my perception now because, as Stephen said, everything that goes near him, I fear could go in yeah. just because of the way he's played. But I thought we were solid enough, and the goal came deservingly. I thought yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a great performance. A hugely important three points, though, has to be said. Yeah. After recent wobbles, it was a, a great three points to take. To be honest, because everyone had started sort of muttering about title races and all that kind of thing. Now these teams yeah. are, are only a wee bit behind. Celtic are dropping points left and right. I think it was a, a big marker to put down and just put Derek McInnes back in yeah. back I, in his box. I said, I said that at the time. You know, we went against. Aberdeen we went against Morton and we beat Rangers and uh, that's the league wrapped up and we've got you know we're, we're really close yeah. to another another treble so that was a big game Melly this weekend it was that's why this game if it was another game say like St Johnston at home you'd maybe think oh we might change it but because we had to go full strength because Rangers had won the day before pressure was on and when the pressure's on domestically 
we rise to the occasion. Look at Scott Brown, the guy absolutely Aye. thrives in that sort of scenario. Aber- what were Aberdeen thinking? If they, see if you're going to see if you're going to bring physicality to Celtic, right? You bring it to James Forrest. You bring it to Callum McGregor. You don't bring it to Scott Brown because, as everyone's seen, the gif in the video that's doing loves it. Oh, Just ab- he's got <laughs> three Aberdeen players clattering into him, and one trying to smash the ball off his head, and he's. Walking like Vince McMahon down the touchline. <laughs> I particularly like to see the picture that's been doing the rounds recently of him kind of hunched over looking like Mr. Burns. I, don't yeah. know. I, mean, <laughs> I, I think I, he even I think he even posted that on his own Instagram, or a face only a mother could love. <laughs> Tom Rogic came back and didn't have the best game, but he really does make a big difference. Yeah, made he, sense because of his record against Aberdeen. Exactly, he's got that thing where he believes he can score against yep. Aberdeen, whereas Aberdeen you get the feeling like Celtic away from home in Europe they don't believe that they can win because they haven't yeah. won I, I like Tom Rogic in there I think he's great in the quarter turn I, he, he's just you can tell the boy's no fit I suppose it's questions with him and asked all why he's starting over I can half fit Tom Rogic not half fit that's maybe mm. maybe a bit harsh but not just maybe just short of match sharpness Tom Rogic starting ahead of Masonda who yeah. didn't go on at all horses for courses I Indeed. suppose yeah. um, were you surprised to see Oh, well, let me just run through the, the, the offenders from the Zenit game. He's surprised to see De Vries in the team. I know, Stephen, you'd sort of said in the group chat that... There were three players who started that game that I wouldn't have anywhere near the team. De Vries was one of them, and in fairness, he, he was fine. Didn't have yeah. an awful lot to do because of Aberdeen's complete lack of interest in attacking, yeah. but he did, when it was asked of him, he did make two good saves, I think both from Kenny McLean, actually. Um, to be fair, but Bain can't play during Yeah, week, yeah, so. that, that made sense. Bain can't oh. play what? Bain can't play against Dundee during the week, so it would oh, right. one in and then back in, so it doesn't make sense. To no, I don't think he would drop him anyway to, to TBH. The other ones were Sinclair. Well, Sinclair had... didn't start against Zenit, did he? No, but I, I wouldn't have had him in this, this team either, to be perfectly honest. No. He's not kicked the ball. Well, he did. He completed another 80 minutes of hide-and-seek against Aberdeen, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. I don't think he was great. Um, Lustig the man of the moment we can talk about him I, I really feel for Michael Lustig something's happened to him it's, it's hard to watch it. I mean, as much as we joke and all that on here it is becoming Do we joke on here? yeah oh, right. <laughs> occasionally it is becoming hard to watch from Michael Lustig because it was he put in the exact same f- performance as he did at Firhill a few weeks ago yeah. when he got subbed off at half time after the conceding the penalty it just just nothing went right for him and it's, he's making these rash challenges and getting booked and subsequently sent off in this one Think the red card was deserved? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, absolutely. And it's when, all from his own mistakes. He's, oh, he's, made, he's taking these touches, and I don't know what he's trying to do. When he did get booked in the early on in the first half, I instantly thought he could go the day. Yeah, yeah, normally you lose big reliable, but just recently you thought he could go the day. And the two fouls are against Gary Mackay Stephen. You've been up against him for years and Nutmeg years them. every day. <laughs> Come on! I heard a really great description of him. Um, Kevin De Bruyne on a, on the Totally Football Show a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the the analyst's name in question, but he spoke about De Bruyne and he said the the best vantage point in a stadium for an analyst is high up, quite near the back, because you can see the whole pitch. You can see shapes taking form in front yeah. of you. You can see the lines, what what tactics teams are employing. And he said that Kevin De Bruyne plays like. He has someone up there feeding him information into an earpiece because he seems to see spaces that only people above the pitch could see. So it looks like he's playing from instructions from the stand. Michael Lustig played a bit like that against Aberdeen, but except the guy in his earpiece was pranking him. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Michael, you've got plenty of space past to your right. (laughs) (laughs) His confidence is just shot to pieces in it. And you spoke about it earlier in the season about... Ralston maybe by the end of the season 
being the, right, the first choice right back because you could see it yeah. coming with Lustig but it looks like it's going to need to be that out of necessity rather than choice now yeah Ralston Ralston has, has also played that right sided centre half albeit only once I was at the yeah. Ross County game in September he played the right hand side of a, of a back three and he played well and got forward and hit the post in that game so he might be more suited to that than as a kind of rampaging fullback. He could maybe play behind Forrest if Forrest is wider before, who knows? But a change is definitely need made, at least temporarily. I don't want to write off Lustig completely, but he's desperately in need of some sort of break, some sort of. Hopefully, when hopefully when Compa comes in, we'll go to the back three. And yeah. It'll be him, Jozo, and Ayer. And Lustig okay, Ayer, Ayer, okay. He had, another, <laughs> he had another good game. Oh, right. another one. How many clean sheets? I don't know. Now? I don't know. He's had another it's good game. Anyway, <laughs> let's, listen, we don't need to dwell on it. You know, you guys, you guys are making a big deal about Ayer. All I said, well, yeah, I wrote him off and threw him under a bus. Okay, right, but you know, he's starting to prove me wrong. Maybe. I mean, it was it was excellent again. Um, uh, to, to me, it just appears like he's he's got absolutely everything going. And I know that. Do you know not... what it is? He listens. Yeah, <laughs> desperate to prove me wrong. Let a fire under him. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's thirteen clean sheets he's been involved in this season, and that can't entirely be attributed to him. Of course not. But no. but imagine for a minute that it wasn't him with a teenage goalkeeper that had kept thirteen clean sheets. Would absolutely be raving about him. So he deserves. He's played. He's played his part. You know, our defence has been held together by him in the centre because again, Jozo, a disastrous, disastrous, yeah. clashing into Ayer and giving away daft fouls and that clearance he tried when Aberdeen went through in the second half. Oh, that was the, the utter mental. That so was the save the Vries made. McLean was let in by Savinovic. Yeah, you've got Ayer and Tierney and the two should be more experienced ones and Lustig and Simonovic are letting themselves down. Like Simonovic's place has got to be up for grabs again as mm. well. I'm going to make a bold, bold prediction. Oh, here Ayer. we go. Right. <laughs> 20 million? Yeah, well, 20 million, but I'm not talking about selling him and getting money for him. I think he's going to become the centre-half of this, not generation, but you know, every oh. maybe 10 to 15 years, we're talking Paul Elliott, Mark Reaper, Virgil van Dijk the next one's going to be Christopher nah, Ayer I'll tell you what I am I am not going to let that happen I've put my personal <laughs> reputation on that line here I think what, was, what those three guys have in common is that they all we've only here for two seasons at, at the most well, if we get five or six seasons at Christopher Ayer I think he'll eclipse them all you think so I've yes. seen, I saw people online saying he's the new Bialbe and, and all that sort of stuff and I'm just thinking you know at ease sailor okay Melly back to the more positive way that ball from James Forrest was absolutely Delicious. Yes. Delicious. Now, James Forrest frustrates me sometimes because he goes inside a lot, but see against Considine, you could spread him on your toast. <laughs> you have got him every time, so go at him every time. And he did it, and that ball keeper doesn't have a scooby, and Moussa's there for a wee oosh at the back. Impossible to defend against that. Yeah. impossible because Fine. it almost dropped in on its own without the melee being there. I wasn't completely on target yeah. but you could have blown that ball in it was yeah. it was so perfect he likes that he likes that wee floaty clip in to the back post because it's so difficult to deal with but it was so refreshing seeing the amount of times that we get balls into the box there's no one on the end of it it was so refreshing to see Dembele his thought process was obviously I know James is going to hit me at the yeah. back post here I'm making the run James Forrest just now is on for absolute fire he is I, you know it's true I just feel uncomfortable saying it so I'm just going to say it he's our best player right now Scott Brown Oh, he's definitely well, in there. Yeah, he's definitely well, in, the well, he's in there. Okay, we'll yeah. get three. You know, you know, and you, and you can't, you can't knock the guy. He's having the season of his life, um, and he was terrific against Aberdeen. He was great, and, and he was one of the best players against Zenit for all it's worth. 
It's just a pity Paddy's come back to take his place. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that so much. More coming on that. Yeah. Well, uh, how do you think Dembele played? Again, I thought Dembele was great. I thought he was aggressive. I thought he'd done everything right. I'm increasingly mystified by the reputation Dembele is, is gathering online that people just... I've no idea why he's so deeply unpopular with Sim. Because people think he wants to leave. They've, yeah. they've got it in their heads. Oh, we don't need him. Take the 20 million and run. We're not going to get 30 million now. The guy is working hard. It's not yeah. as if he's putting in lazy performances. Okay, he didn't have the best game against Zenit, but Celtic didn't create one chance. No, no, no they didn't out. create he's one chance for him. Scraps every week, and again, quite often making them for himself as well. Yeah. It's not like he's he's making his own for. scraps. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> his hold-up play has been great. Again, him and Tierney, you can just tell they've played well at Pataudry before. They believed. They could yep. win that game, and they a goal and an assist for Dembele away against your biggest rivals. Can't ask much. No, the assist they? was excellent as well because you know he, he ran ran to that defence and let Tierney. And I'd actually quite like to single out Edward for his role in that goal because he hooked it to Dembele inside his own box, and a lot of players, especially teenagers, I think it was maybe 20 now yeah, but it doesn't really matter a lot of players in that situation would have just hooked that out of the box just booted it upfield that, that would have been uh, listen, completely understandable but he played in Dembele and then actually overtook both him and Tierney on the right hand side just steaming in to, to follow up any scraps that came back space, off the keeper yeah I, I thought he, his role was excellent in that that was, uh, that was Celtic's 100th goal of the season that Tierney scored and he actually scored the 100th goal of last season as well do you know who it was against? no Aberdeen was it against Aberdeen? I don't know. I was asking because <laughs> no. I didn't know. Yeah. He has scored. Goals. That's his second goal at the Dodger this season. Actually, yeah. I think he's got four in total now, which is you know, decent for a left Really back. good. Yeah, I think Armstrong's only got about four or five. I know he's it was a smashing less. strike. Aye, I yeah. just just seen that boy celebrate. Seen Scott Brown go bush. That's what it's all about, isn't it, man? <laughs> Scott Brown. Scott Brown <laughs> loves Petodri. He loves playing against Aberdeen. You know, he loves it when. The Aberdeen when Rangers when he, he, he likes it see when you turn up the pressure on he Scott Brown existing right yeah. now that's what Scott when you Brown turn up the pressure yeah. on Scott Brown that's when Scott Brown really performs and I love I just love watching him boss it domestically because these guys they must hate him imagine you're playing against Scott Brown imagine you're in midfield against you must hate him everyone in Scottish football does outside of Celtic yeah. everyone hates him but I've, I've seen a few comments quite rightly so I maybe would have said it about some Rangers players in my time that despite the fact you hate them, you would absolutely love the guy oh, if he was in your team. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So you, meant, you mentioned Scott Brown there and everyone you know, in Scotland, partly outside Celtic, hates him. But, you know, that's him retired from international duty again. Yeah. So yeah. They, they'll definitely miss him. Looks permanent this time, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was that 55 caps, 55. which is surprisingly low for well, a player I, of his standards. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was beginning to think that and then I thought, you know, it, it wasn't last couple of years I but maybe there was a period when he probably didn't deserve to be in the Scotland team although I get I mean this was a period of time where fucking Nigel Causey and all that was getting picked no, so my my go-to reference for Scotland caps is Christian Daly who has over 50 caps yeah <laughs> so he, he's in the Hall of Fame along with Scott Brown I mentioned Nigel Causey actually Scott Brown made his debut he actually he, he first appeared for Scotland as a sub under Walter, Walter Smith but do you know who was in goals that day 2005, USA, 1-1 draw. He came on for Nigel Quashy. Quashy. Craig G. Craig Gordon. Oh, Correct. Yeah. And we're playing Dundee midweek. So do you know who else was playing that day? Neil McCann. Neil McCann oh, was playing. Yes. Neil McCann was playing. Terrific um, link. 
Scott Brown made his full debut, losing to Italy 2-0 in 2007. Do you know who the manager was then? That would have been Big Ek. It was Big Ek. So we're still going back to those two. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Ah, yeah, and he was made captain if anyone's interested by Gordon Strachan. You guys laugh. You're laughing on the other side of your face when Neil McCann is a Scotland manager in five years' time. <laughs> well, we'll be back to Strachan in ten years' time. Yeah, exactly. I know, we're just going round and round. Um, aye, so, you know... Scotland is second in Scott Brown's priority list at the moment, extending his Celtic career as first. It probably always was that way, Stephen. He was probably just doing God's track in a favour. Yeah, it makes sense. It made sense at the time. I kind of wish he hadn't gone back in the first yeah. place because it probably affected his form at, at various points. And, and let's face it, Scott Brown's not getting any younger. It's probably the right time to try because where is it going to be by the time they even attempt to qualify for another yeah. tournament I mean, I know. the so next tournament we could possibly qualify for is 2020 I believe and what is just Scott Brown be there 34, 35 maybe by that point yeah. be 33 this summer probably nice, so. yeah. um, makes sense anyway domestic matters Dundee midweek possibility of Comper possibility <sighs> of Paddy Roberts <laughs> come- <laughs> <laughs> getting excited possibility of Comper and Paddy Roberts coming back um, do you think we'll see much of a rotated squad uh, I'd like to think again I'd like to think that we can kick on from here mm-hmm. this seems like the 12th time I've said that this season but that's it Europe's over we can put it behind us now time to go and dominate do what we do best and it looks like it's going to be Baltic on yeah. Wednesday yeah. so I will need Paddy to tickle my balls to get me <laughs> uh, Stephen Melly's more or less said but Brendan Orger said you know that's it Europe we've done that Put that in the box until next season. Domestic. Now we have to go and show why we're champions. Absolutely. And um, it could be argued that the following game is the bigger one, a homey green at Malton. But as yeah. far as Dundee goes, uh, I mean, Dundee, they've not scored against Celtic this season. I think it's 1-0, mm-hmm. 2-0 and 4-0 they've lost to Celtic. They've only won one of the last five. They've signed Stephen Colker, which you yeah. would think would sort of tidy them up a wee bit. He hasn't really made a huge impact in terms of numerically conceding goals, but I mean, it's going to take more than one guy to sort out Dundee and Neil McGann. I, I don't even think we'll see much in the way of rotation. Paddy might come on for 15 minutes towards the end. I don't think we'll see Comper. You know, this is all about consolidating now. This is the run-in. This is getting guys, getting them up to speed. As you say, big game against Morton, big game against Rangers. It's not the time to be faffing about mainly with Bob Stephen we're in the, the same situation as last season where it becomes we're, we're really clinging on to this idea of a treble mm. because now that the treble has been set last season it's almost like if we don't get there that it would be a disappointment yeah. so full focus has to well not full focus but a lot of focus has to go on getting past these ties you said it the bigger game Stephen is probably Morton uh, we don't really, we're not in really the business prediction in Dundee so we'll just pass that game over um, we, we play Morton Jim Duffy was briefly in there shout for the Scotland manager's job. Well, Chick Young wanted him. <laughs> yeah, well, Chick Young wanted him. Um, well, I'm not going to cross Chick Young because look what happened last time I tried that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, do you think they pose any threat to us? A decent team. They're doing all right in the Championship. I think they're third. I think they've overtaken Dundee United now. Uh, but interestingly enough, they haven't lost an away game since the 23rd of September, which is even longer than Celtic's undefeated home record that's before take, Christmas yeah <laughs> taking Anderlecht into account is longer than Celtic's undefeated home record currently oh, right. so they're doing really well away best defence in the championship as well so I mean Jim potential banana these guys. skin written yeah. all over this he's just a really un, seems to be one of these guys that's an untrendy manager who's just quietly going about his business Melly at Green and Morton and doing a good job he just goes into most places does a good job but saying that Celtic should have enough in the armour oh, now without a doubt we now need to go on a run of games and win a good run of games because it's win one, draw one, mm-hmm. win one, lose one, 
No excuses now. That's us. We've got players coming back. Roberts back. Compare to come in. Armstrong should be back in a couple of weeks. Griffiths will be back hopefully. This is it now. Time is up. Europe's yep. gone. It's All the distractions are gone. We've got Dundee, Morton, then it's a week and then it's the biggie. So we're, we're having a wee bit of break in between games now. So I'm expecting to see full teams out, beefings handed out everywhere. <laughs> I want a run of six, seven games in a row. Well, the, hun- the Huns are on the horizon. I'm looking mm. forward to, the, to that podcast. They are uh, confident Huns as well. But they should, well, do you know what? favourite type of hun I like to yeah. <laughs> They should be confident because they are the form team in the league at the moment and they seem to be scoring goals for fun. Um, so they should be confident but we'll talk about them more when the time comes do you think we'll bypass Morton? yeah no I've got to be confident at home I, remember, I think it was two years ago I played Green and Morton yeah. in the cup it was around about the same time of year as well I think March for, it was kind of I don't think from memory it wasn't particularly well attended that game it no. was a kind of early afternoon around about March and I think that was the kind of death throes of Ronnie Dyla's term yeah. to be perfectly honest so the crowds were down a little bit but um, that was 3-0 Something similar this time. I'll be delighted with that. Melly, I don't suppose you think any problems? No, hopefully not. Just get in, get them beefed, get out. But nice <laughs> to, you know nice to get some goals for Musa Dembele. Yeah. Or any striker, in fact, because... He's saving his goals for Rangers. Yeah, well, I mean, that's... I think that was Dembele's 10th goal of the season against Aberdeen. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable that we're in late February now, and that's the first striker to get to... Oh, I'm not sure, Griffiths maybe just behind them. But to, to get to this stage of the season and have no one Celtic player flying high in the, yeah. in the scoring charts is kind of remarkable in itself but, so it'd be nice to get some confidence into Mr Dembele but so that's us we've reached to any other business portion of the podcast uh, and this week's any other business well it's the reports from Australia that Tom Rogic has knocked mm. back a new deal mm, how do you feel about that Melly? would you be sad if Tom Rogic went yeah I would be I think he's a good player going forward we could do better but it's difficult to get a better player than that because every team wants a player like that not the most mobile but we have missed his creativity and he chips in with goals so I'd be disappointed if he left I'd be disappointed in him as well because he's injured a lot Mm. he's not a guaranteed starter so I don't really see where he goes from here but I'd love him to stay. Yeah, from memory, Melly, you've always been slightly kind of ambivalent about Tom Rogic. You know, you acknowledge that he's a good player, but he doesn't play enough. Yeah, that's, well, that, yeah. that's, that's how it. I feel about it. See, if we lost Tom Rogic, what are you losing? Two games a month? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just he's just not consistent with his, his attendance, really. Yes, yes, I, I, <laughs> he's not I, I, work enough, really. Um, but it has to be acknowledged that if Tom Rogic leaves, which I hope he doesn't, it, he's been involved in some of the best moments oh, for Celtic in the last five years. Would it the end of the world? Probably not. I'd miss him, but would that maybe be a chance for Ryan Christie coming in? Patrick Roberts probably won't be here by the time, you know, this time yeah. next season. Musonda will be. So Rogic out, Christie in maybe. I mean, the, the problem, story- sorry, the problem is, look, we, we, we want a goalkeeper, we want a right back, we want a centre half. If we start chipping away at the rest of the team and the quality goes out there yeah, as yeah. well, it means we're going to need six, seven players in the summer. And we can't do that with the Champions League no, qualifiers, I mean, so we need to keep the squad together and add quality. The way I, the way I feel about the way I feel about Rogic is he's Rogic apparently is unhappy at the terms offered. That's what that article mm. said. But you know, see if you're Celtic, and we've all we've all said he doesn't play every game. You know, mm. Rogic is a tidy player to have. Drop him in and out, play one game, two games a month. He, he's a tidy wee player, but. He's no someone like he's not going to give you the full commitment. So as much as I wouldn't be angry to see him go, I quite enjoy having him about. 
I think it's an area we probably need to try and improve on. There is that, and there is a thing where we, when a player's out injured, you either desperately want him back or you start thinking, oh, we could do out him. And I think mm. that's maybe happened with Rogic here because the guy, if everybody's fit, he, he starts usually, but it's just getting him fit that's the problem. Yeah. So the guy has undoubted quality, it's just we need to see it consistently in another season when he's been out for months. And the thing is, with Tom Rogic, with the quality he has, it's not perfect, but we don't really get perfect players at Celtic, but for the quality Tom Rogic has, how much is that going to cost you to replace? Because well, yeah. we all talk about how we need a better number 10, but it goes to the kind of joke you've made a few times, Jamie, about how you want all these attributes in a player, you want a guy who can <laughs> yeah. take the ball in, a guy who can take players on, play the killer pass, chip in with 15 goals a season, right? So you want Eden Hazard. Yeah. Right? So they're not easy to come by. Number 10s, I mean, they're, they're at a premium in Europe. Yeah. I just days. wish he was fitter. I just wish he could play more games. I wish he could play a full 90 minutes more often. That is, But maybe, you know, maybe that's the payoff. Maybe the reason we've got a guy of that sort of quality. Nah, I'm not even going to try that argument on <laughs> size. I'm not because... He, although he's a good player I, I'm, I'm sure there's players out there who we could get who would who would play more of a role in the team well he's got the feet of Diego Maradona and the lungs of Gemma Collins well <laughs> 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 hey, on that that is where we'll end thanks everyone for listening um, if you like what we do you can rate and review us on iTunes leave us some feedback that sort of thing or you can follow us on Twitter at 20 Minute Tims that's with two zero. thanks for listening extra might be a bit much but not when it comes to healthcare that's why united healthcare's health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.